The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Welcome to those of you joining online. I've been encouraged to walk through this series and talk about being filled with the pneuma of God, the Holy Spirit. And so as we land it today and and think about um, all that we've learned as we've seen, man, the Lord can work in two different people's lives and bring people into the kingdom. Usually the Lord will already be at work in a believer's life and leading them on a journey. If we're really sensitive, then he will lead us right into someone else's life that he's already starting to move in. And those people need to discover some more truth. And when that happens, man, it's an incredible um, explosion of the kingdom beginning to move in a a fresh new way. And it's extremely motivational. And it really is kind of like a domino effect. Man, when one domino falls and you start to see that, you want to see it again. You want to see it again. And it can start to happen that way in your life and, and keep you incredibly motivated to really live a, a white-hot faith. But here's, here's the interesting thing about that, is that even though your faith becomes white-hot, it seems that some very easy things to do in the kingdom, some very easy steps to take when it comes to obedience can start to feel insurmountable. And it starts to feel like, man, I, I, I don't, or we just don't do something that we should do. Sometimes it's really, I think it really starts with small things, just little bitty things, maybe a nudge to call somebody and then we get, we kind of get busy and we overlook it. It could be all kinds of things like that. And all of a sudden, Um, We've missed some opportunities and we wonder, why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult to do some of these things that should be so easy and they just feel like it's so hard, feel like lifting this incredible weight? Um, The reason for that is because of, of spiritual warfare. We're in a battle and we're about trying to move the kingdom forward and there's a force always coming against us trying to keep that Uh, from happening because when it happens, ultimately there's freedom that breaks out in our lives and the lives of someone else and, and people start to get motivated. So there's an oppression that's always coming against that move to see the kingdom break out in fresh new ways. And so the, the most effective strategy that you and I can have to compensate for that is to look at ourselves and understand how we should see ourselves in the midst of a battle and bring fresh eyes to that on a daily basis. It's just, is to wake up and know, man, I'm in a battle. I have to do it. I'm really having to do it today. I'm, I'm a little winded. I had a late night working on some stuff um, and, and I'm tired. I didn't sleep well. And I wake up and I go, man, I, I, I need to like, I need to be fresh and and I, I have to remind myself, this is a spiritual battle. And e- even in the midst of trying to give a talk, I will go through things happening in my mind where there are distractions that happen that I have to push out, um, thoughts that will come into my mind out of, just out of nowhere. And I'm constantly kind of dealing with that stuff. And, and the way that I approach it is that I go, man, this is a battle. Like, I don't know, I don't know who uh, is, is here and in what condition that you may be in, that you walked in the doors with. You may be confused about a decision. You may be hurt over a relationship, all kinds of things. And so, like, whatever I can get out that is true 
can have the ability to help you break free from something. And so there's a real enemy that wants to keep me distracted and a force coming against me to try to keep me from speaking clearly and speaking with power and authority in such a way that helps you to break free from something that I'm totally unaware of. And so I have to approach it and know that, man, I'm going into this thing like a battle. I'm going to start um, the day that way, and I'm going to live tomorrow that way and look out ahead of me and know that everything that is ahead of me, there's going to be a force that's always coming against me, but there's also going to be um, the Holy Spirit who is in me that and helps me and en enables me to navigate through some of these things. And so it's important for us to see ourselves the right way. Now... Um, it's Palm Sunday, and I was thinking about this uh, this week a little bit, is that Jesus, man, he rides into Jerusalem on a, on a donkey, okay, on, on, a, on the colt of a donkey, one that had never been ridden. And what's significant about that is that um, like 500 years before that, in the book of Zechariah, God used the prophet, a man of God, to write and record that the Messiah would come in riding on a donkey, the, the, colt, the, full, the, the colt of a, of a donkey. And so here Jesus, man, it says that he, he set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem and he rides into town on this donkey. Now, prior to that happening, John records some interesting things um, in John chapter 12, I believe it is. And one of them is that Lazarus was the guy that Jesus raised from the dead. And man, people, people were talking about that. <laughs> you raise somebody from the dead, and that's, that's newsworthy. That's a trending topic. And they were talking about it. And they were talking about how Jesus did it. So much so that Lazarus had to kind of live in hiding and go incognito as well because the Jewish rulers wanted to kill him because his testimony was causing people to believe in Jesus. And so the, his sisters were Mary and Martha, and they, the night before Palm Sunday, Jesus goes to their house for a meal. And Mary gets out this uh, perfume, and she breaks it open, and she pours it all over um, Jesus' feet, and she's anointing him. And, and uh, Judas, man, he throws a fit about this because it's about a year's worth of wages is what it would have cost to purchase that thing, uh, that perfume. And he's fired up about it and saying things like, man, this could have been used to help the poor. And he really is just fired up about it because he used to um, pilfer the money box. He used to take a little bit out and use it on things he wanted to buy. And he was just thinking to himself, boy, if we would have had that cash in there, I really could have got me some nice things. And so um, he's fired up about it. And, and, what's, and Jesus says, you know, let her do this. Okay. And, and so what she's doing is she's preparing his body for burial. And this is what they did. This is what, if you remember next week, we, is Easter, we look at the resurrection. What were the women doing? They were going to the tomb. They were going to anoint Jesus's body for burial. And he wasn't there. And that's why Mary was allowed to do this before is because he was going to rise from the dead. Because he knew that that week he would be going to the cross of Calvary. And so uh, this 
This happens, and then the next day, Jesus rides into town. And man, people, they've been, you know, everybody's been talking about this miracle with Lazarus and all the other incredible things that Jesus has done and the, and the teachings. And, and so as he rides into town, man, the people who are against Jesus are there too, and they're watching, and the people start waving these palm branches, and they're putting their clothes on the ground, and Jesus, like, he's riding into town on this donkey, like, and they're celebrating him as a king, the new king of Jerusalem. And this infuriates the religious leaders, but then there are all these people that are there, and they're looking at Jesus, and they see him as the Messiah. And so that's why we celebrate Palm Sunday, because it is the final week of uh, the life of Jesus before he's crucified. And, and so we, we think about, man, what it would have been like for those people as they see him. And some people saw him as a blasphemer. Some of them saw that he was, he was wrong in what he was doing and teaching. And others saw him as the legitimate Messiah, um, the King of Israel. And so you had these two groups. So the question becomes, what did Jesus see as he's riding in on the donkey? Well, he clearly saw two groups of people. He saw one group of people who would reject him as the Messiah, and they even said, man, if we don't do something about this, the whole world is going to go after him. And that's exactly what happened, even though they tried to, to stop him. And so they are, they are anti-Jesus, and then you got all these pro-Jesus people there, and they're proclaiming that he is the Messiah. And so Jesus, clearly, he looks past all of them. He sees Friday coming. He knows he's going to be crucified. Jesus was never surprised by that. He was born to die for the, for the sins of humanity. And so looking past the crowd as he's riding in on that donkey, he sees the cross. And as he's riding in and, and looking at them, he also sees what that sacrifice of himself is going to purchase, which is the power of the Holy Spirit that would be um, poured out upon those who received him, the pro-Jesus people. And so Jesus saw two groups of people. And he saw the one group of people that would be pro-Jesus as being empowered by the Holy Spirit and coming to life and being utilized to advance his kingdom. He saw the other group of people as being people that, even though they didn't know it, and here's the interesting thing about those people, they were unaware that they were fighting against the kingdom of God. They thought they were doing God's business. And so we live in a world today, 2,000 years later, and I, I propose the question and say, man, if you're going to be effective in this, this spiritual battle, you got to see yourself the right way. And the right way to see yourself is the way that Jesus sees you. And today, Jesus sees the same thing. There are people who are pro-Jesus that know him, have entered into a relationship with him, and there are people who are anti-Jesus. Some of them know they're anti-Jesus because they're anti-everything. Some of them don't realize they're anti-Jesus. And that's the world that we live in. And so you have to see yourself as Jesus sees you. If you're going to walk in the fullness of the Spirit, you're going to engage in spiritual warfare, and you're going to, you're going to overcome these battles that come into your life, and the Holy Spirit is going to bring about more freedom, not only in your life, but in the lives of those you encounter um, as you walk out your days on earth. So how does Jesus see you? Well, let me throw a few things out. First of all, Jesus sees you as a, he sees us as a chosen weapon. 
He's riding on that donkey, man, and he sees that cross and what motivates him to overcome the battle that is going to be waged on the cross of Calvary is looking at all of these people who are like believers and he knows he's going to empower them and make them into weapons for his kingdom. Peter writes it this way. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So Peter basically says, man, Jesus is going to ride back in to Jerusalem again. The next time that he rides back into Jerusalem, he'll be riding on a white horse, not on a donkey, and he won't be coming as a suffering servant, but a conquering king. And there are still two groups of people. Now, this is post the resurrection of Christ. And so this is written to us as the church. And he says, you need to live in such a way that people see your good deeds and they recognize Jesus in you. And even though people come against you, just keep walking that out because Jesus will return. And in the meantime, he looks at you. He sees you as a chosen weapon of his in the kingdom. Um, and why did he choose us as weapons? Why, does, why do I say that and use that terminology? Is because we declare his praises in the midst of a battle. It's, it's, you go back to the first battle that the Israelites ever waged um, when they were going into the promised land. It was a battle of praise. <laughs> they walked around the city of Jericho. They shouted. They played instruments. They were declaring the praises of God, and that's how they overcame the battle in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, now the Spirit of God lives in us, and as we declare the praises of God, which we need something to praise God for, which means we need to be walking in the Spirit, winning some battles in our lives that make us excited so we have something to declare about Jesus. If the only thing that we have to declare about Jesus is something that happened to us 10 or 15 years ago, we're not walking in the fullness of Spirit. We're walking in a past victory, and we're not having any consistent victories in our lives. And so we want to walk in such a way, man, that victories are happening around us, and we stay encouraged because we see the Lord at work. And so the Lord sees us that way. He sees us as um, a people who are weapons in the kingdom who declare his praises. And this is powerful because when I see myself as one of his chosen, I'm motivated then. And I, I look and I go, <laughs> um, everybody ought to have to preach one sermon in their life. Everybody. You, you go, man, I, you, I, how do you get up and do that? Well, you walk through some things and you go, I'm not worthy to do this, first of all. Like, how am I going to take myself and teach all of you guys how to follow Jesus when I know I'm a broken person myself? I'm not broken. I've been repaired because he chose me and he made me a weapon. I'm not perfect. I'm still walking through things, but I'm engaged in the battle, man. And he's put me in this place and I will declare the praises of God. And I see myself as a chosen weapon. And so I say that everybody ought to have to preach one sermon just because it'll make you realize you're a chosen weapon. 
When you have to get up in front of a group of people and talk about Jesus, you feel like you have... You feel, <laughs> the devil will tell you everything that's bad about you. And then you have to get up and talk about how good Jesus is, knowing that you're guilty of everything the devil is saying, except for the fact that I've been chosen. And I'm no longer a part of that group that is anti-Jesus. I'm a part of that group that is pro-Jesus. I've been forgiven. And you may be right in accusing me these, of these things. But the Lord has taught me in his word that I am forgiven. And I, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so I am in Christ, a chosen weapon. And I am motivated by that single truth. And so not only am I a chosen weapon, Jesus sees me, I love this, as smeared with God. I'm, I'm smeared with God. I don't know what you came in here smeared with today, but I'm smeared with the Lord. I'm thirsty too. Yeah, Molly got me this cup holder, man. I got tired of bending over. And she got me that thing. I tore it off last week. I thought, what the heck is that? But it's actually kind of nice. Thank you, Molly. And so Jesus sees me as smeared with God. What do I mean by that? Look at, look at 1 John chapter 2, 27. This is really cool. Chano, you're going to love this, bro. You're going to love this. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Okay, so he sees me as smeared with God. The word anointing comes from the uh, Greek word chrisma. And it means anything that is smeared on. And the reason you're going to love it, Chano, is because one of the words they use for stucco, okay? And Chano's in the stucco business. So he puts the stucco on the house, and he smears it on, and it provides a covering for the house for the, from the elements, and it makes it beautifies it. It does all of these things. And so the Spirit of God is smeared on us. As Jesus was anointed, same, same word, there's a couple different words that they mean the same thing, smeared with the perfume, like that, that costly vial of nard, she smeared it on him, and the fragrance, the, the aroma of the room changed, okay? And so when I step into a situation, I see myself as anointed as an anointed force, because that is what I am. I am smeared with God. And so when I step into the pulpit to preach the word to you, and I have that ex intimidating experience of feeling unworthy, I remind myself, wait a minute here. I am smeared with the Holy Spirit. And I step into the pulpit in the power and demonstration of the Spirit, not in the power and demonstration of Jimmy, but I walk everywhere this way. And I step into my home and I'm smeared with God. I smell like Jesus. Okay? Well, I've started playing pickleball. I don't know if you've picked this sport up. It will change your life. Okay? Now, I'm going up to the rec center quite a bit. And they're, 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 I mean, there's a, there you meet so many people playing this game. Now, walk in there and I'm smeared with God as I walk in there. Now, I, I go to somebody's party or something. I walk and I go and I'm, I'm smeared with God. He is, he's all over me. 
Now, I don't have to go and, and, and tell everybody that like I'm telling you today, but I'm trying to get you to see that Jesus looks at you and as he was riding in town on that donkey and he was seeing beyond the crowd of the cross, what he was purchasing was the costly perfume to smear his people with himself so that we look like and smell like him. And as we walk through this world and we are declaring the praises of truth, man, we're seeing people encounter Jesus the way that we have. And so God's power washes over us to help us accomplish things that he wants accomplished. So even in the midst of, of preaching a sermon as, as intimidating as it can be, I am reminded that I stand in the power and demonstration of the spirit and God will help me to say what I'm supposed to say, how I'm supposed to say it. And he will even bring things to mind that I haven't even thought of while I'm saying it because he is wanting me to declare his praises to you to help you see yourself the way that he sees you. And so as you walk out of this place, man, you need to be encouraged and recognize that you are smeared with the power and aroma of the Holy Spirit. And, and here's the thing. <laughs> man, I, I've had some unique experiences. Um, I think we always are, we always are, we can always walk in the fullness of the Spirit. But I think there are some times that the Spirit will come over us in special, unique ways, and there's an outpouring that is even more abundant. Um, a few weeks ago, I shared with, my, with you guys about my brother uh, who, who took his life, and I, I had preached his funeral. And he was like 50 years old when he took his life. The place was cram-packed, probably six or 700 people, all asking the same question. <laughs> Did he go to heaven or hell? Right? That's what everybody's thinking. I'm his brother. I'm his pastor. I'm charged with the task of trying to answer that question for them. And the, man, I, I labored and it was such a battle, but I knew the Lord had anointed me for the task and I just kept wrestling, kept wrestling with it. And finally he gave me the word and, and I, I got up and I'm telling you, man, there was an outpouring. It wasn't just the normal anointing that I walk in all the time. There was an outpouring of the Spirit where I literally felt like, it was the only time this has ever happened to me when I was preaching a sermon, I felt like I was six feet above myself watching it all happen. It was unbelievable. Like the, the Word was just coming out of me. And, and, and so that's, that's the power that is available to us. And when we learn to walk in it in the norm, the New Testament believers walked in this in the norm. In the Old Testament, it was always something special, and it was only for special people. Like David was chosen, he was anointed. Um, Solomon was chosen and anointed. Different people throughout the Bible, uh, the Old Testament period, had a special anointing fall on their lives. In the New Testament, that all changes. And now the anointing is for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord and they're saved. They are covered. They are smeared. They have the stucco of the Holy Spirit all over them. And as they walk through life, they ought to be like you can tell. There's a marked difference in a house that has stucco on it and a house that doesn't. I need to be your marketing guy. <laughs> So, and so like that, that's, that's how we should walk through life is, man, we're walking through life and people can tell that. Look at this guy. Here's a guy who's smeared with God. Here's a woman who is smeared with God. Now they don't use that terminology, 
but, but they understand a marked difference. And how does that happen? It happens when we're walking in the fullness of the Spirit. We're engaging these spiritual battles. The freedom is rolling out of us. And so we are, we're enthused by what God is doing in our lives. We're encouraged. We're seeing Him move. And, and we just keep walking that out. And, and God just, like, people can see it. We don't have to tell them. They can see it. And so like we, we need to see ourselves that way. But not only am I smeared with God and anointed, Jesus sees me as loaded with truth. I'm loaded with truth. Because I am chosen and anointed, I am loaded with truth that many people don't possess. Jesus is riding on a donkey. It's Palm Sunday. They're casting down the branches. Others were casting looks of disdain. Some possessed truth, some did not. And so we are people who, if, if we have been chosen of God and we know him and we um, have the Holy Spirit in us and we're walking in the fullness of the pneuma of God, then um, we possess a truth that not everybody possesses. And that's why the enemy makes something that is so easy, so hard to follow through with. It's because the truth sets people free. And there are a lot of people that don't have it. And those of us who do have it, if we are containing it, then people remain in captivity. And that's the way you have to see evangelism. Evangelism is not, oh, you are obligated to go and talk about Jesus six times a day and then you're a good believer. That's not the way this thing works. What you have to understand is who you are in Christ, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that the freedom needs to be rolling out of you, and truth just needs to come out of you without you saying anything. You shouldn't have to think about how truth is going to come out of you. There should be so much truth in you that it is always coming out, and it is always causing conflict for a person who doesn't possess the truth. If, if people don't possess a truth that you have, the truth that you have, if they don't possess it and they're walking in a lie, inevitably there's, there's going to be a confrontation between those two worldviews. And I, I don't say that to go, man, we need to be combative. I say that to mean we need to quit being weenies. I might offend somebody. You will offend somebody. Your life is an aroma of God. If you smell like Jesus and you're smeared with the Holy Spirit, people are going to encounter Jesus, and if they're walking in a lie, it's going to be offensive, and that offensiveness is either going to show them that they're living a lie that they can come out of, or they're going to reject it and stay in that place of captivity and we're just going to continue to move. And so we have to be aware of this. We have to be aware of the fact that we possess truth. It says that in John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. In John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you Free. I'm loaded with truth. And when that truth is proclaimed, people will find freedom. My kids will find freedom. My spouse will find freedom. The people I go to church with will find freedom. When Shay is loaded with truth and that truth falls on my life, I find greater freedom. When I am loaded with truth and that truth falls on his life, he finds greater freedom. 
And so we do that for each other as iron sharpens iron. We do it for each other in the body of Christ, and we're not afraid of it going beyond the body of Christ to those who don't know Jesus, who are naysayers. And we have to understand that. Man, that a naysayer is trapped in captivity. They have not been set free from the bondage of sin. They're walking in their sin, and they are the people who are saying, man, we got to stop this. I got to stop this truth thing in my life. I don't believe this Jesus thing. I got to protect my life over here. And they're naysaying, and they need to be around some people who are not naysayers, who are declaring the praises of God. And as they continue to see that, they realize, man, I either got to get away from this person or I've got to find out what it is that has brought about so much transformation in their lives. And that's kind of the ultimate um, destination that we travel in relationships. And so I, I, I need to recognize that I'm loaded with the truth of God. And to be loaded with the truth of God, I need to be in the truth of God. This is why reading the word becomes so important. Uh, important for us on our faith journey and walking in the fullness of spirit. Jesus talked about abiding in me in John chapter 15, remain in me and I'll remain in you. And so we have a daily um, feast on the word. We're we're looking for ways to bring the truth of God and remind ourselves of the truth of God that is in us because we're facing this enemy that is always trying to quench that. And as we counteract that, then what happens is that truth just starts to come out of us. And then ultimately, Jesus sees me as steady and ready, okay? If you want to hit the target, you must be steady and ready. And when Jesus climbed up on that colt, it wasn't about all of the people. As a matter of fact, the thing that probably was the most difficult for Jesus as he was riding that donkey was staying focused on the cross because everybody else was saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king, the son of David. Get off the donkey and rule us, Jesus. We're ready for you to be king. And Jesus remained steady and ready and had his eyes on the cross of Calvary. And in just a few days, he would go from the ultimate popularity among the people as they were wanting him to become king to being crucified on the cross because he was steady and ready and he engaged the battle so that he could make us steady and ready. And if you want to improve your Accuracy on anything when it comes to hitting a target, stability is key. Now, I've been playing pickleball with Brad, and he just bounces all over the place. And I've been telling him, no, it's not true. Brad is a lot better at pickleball than me. But I have noticed that when I'm playing, especially when I first started playing, and you just run all over the court trying to hit this stupid little plastic ball. You have to get yourself in a position where you are steady and ready and you can react to it and you're not running as much. If you're shooting a gun, the same thing. You have to be, you have to have stability. You have to be steady and ready in order to be able to hit your target. Anytime you're off balance, um, it, it messes you up when it comes to, um, hitting your target. This is what Paul says to us. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so everything that we engage in and we, we, we stand firm in, the Lord is saying to us that our labor, 
for the Lord is eternal, it's the most important stuff we do, and that's why we have to see ourselves this way. Wherever we're going, whatever we're doing, whether it's be in the classroom, you're a high school student, and you're walking um, in the power and demonstration of, uh, of the Lord, it's not just about your education, it's about you advancing the kingdom of those classmates around you, or inside those classmates around you. Your teachers can be encouraged by your walk of faith. And, and again, we're not saying, hey man, you become some religious zealot. I'm saying just be a Christian. That's all we're talking about. Just believe. Like receive the Lord and believe. Be loaded with the truth and let it come out of you and watch how the Lord begins to move all around you. It's important for us to understand, again, we're talking about steady and ready, is that um, we, we stay stable. We don't jerk, like again, shooting. Um, we don't jerk. and we, They say don't pull the trigger, squeeze it. You got to know, like you keep your eyes on the target and, and you squeeze and you react to the situation. That's what we do with the truth that we're loaded with. We, we're focusing on the target. What is the Lord up to? What is he saying to me? What is he saying about this person in my life? Why did I meet this person? Is this person down? I'm, I'm constantly thinking about the truth that's happening. Should I, should I take this uh, relationship to, to the next step? Do I go from I have uh, an acquaintance with this person to asking them to go eat lunch with me and just... Just always walking to see what the Lord is doing, how he's doing it, and, and realizing, man, the kingdom is always looking for ways to break out. And so if we will choose to be steady and ready, then we, we, we will always be in a position that when God is ready to squeeze the trigger, he will, because we are his weapon. And so he's the one that squeezes the trigger. The problem is, is, is that we're so insensitive to the Holy Spirit because we don't know how to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In the Western world, in America, what we've become good at and reduced Christianity to is going to church. Now prove that to you next week. This place will be packed. Because everybody thinks that being a Christian means you, you go to church on Easter. That's not what it means to be a Christian. That's religion. To be a Christian means that I'm walking always and I'm ready and st I'm steady and ready, loaded with truth. I'm smeared with God, man. I'm, I'm walking through life and God is squeezing the trigger and truth is coming out of me and impacting people. Remember, it happened with Paul and Ananias. It happened with Peter and Cornelius. And it happened with Philip and the Ethiopian guy that became a missionary. I showed you through the book of Acts how this thing's supposed to work. And it happens with people today. This is the way the, the kingdom moves. And so the Lord wants to use you in that capacity. And so that brings us to the big idea of today's talk. In the hands of Jesus, I'm a lethal weapon. <laughs> I mean, that's what Palm Sunday is about. Jesus is, right, Jesus is conquering Jerusalem. Jerusalem as a religious sinner fell apart as far as their worship fell apart after Jesus rode into that town and was crucified on the cross. Like it wouldn't be very long that, that, that the whole nation fell and went, had uh, captivity um, happen to them. And, and the religious system has never been the same since Jesus rode into town on that donkey. Okay? And, and the reason is, is because it shifted to, from the age of the law to the age of grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. Instead of selecting certain individuals to do the work of God, now the whole kingdom is going to be spread through the people of God. And if we don't see ourselves that way, the pneuma of God will not stay active in our lives. It doesn't matter how much you believe in Jesus. If you're not walking with him, the pneuma of God will not be 
be filling you up and coming out of you because you will be doing the very thing that the Apostle Paul warned against, and that is quenching the Spirit. And so we don't want to quench the Spirit, man. We want to wake up and go, man, how does the Lord see me this week? And I want to see myself that way. I want to walk in that truth, and I want to watch the Lord begin to bring about transformation, not only in someone else's life, and this is as I told you guys last week. A message like this sounds like, whoa, well, I'm gonna, it's going to be all about me being on mission and helping other people. And the truth of the matter is it's about helping you. <laughs> because if you're not helping other people, you're not helping you. And, and, and if, if, if other people aren't coming to a place where they're advancing on their journey around you, you're not advancing on your journey with Jesus. And so the, the more that you help somebody else, the person that grows the most is you. We, we learn that as we walk in discipleship, man. Um, the discipler always feels like they're failing and they, they, they're just worried all the time and they feel like they can't get their people to grow, but they don't realize in the process they're growing more than anybody else because they're, they're saying and thinking things they've never said and thought before. And so we, we have to understand that, that that's why Jesus said, if you lose your life, you'll find it. It's that we begin to focus on the kingdom and God using us in that capacity. And all of a sudden, every arena of our lives, no matter where we are or what we're doing, becomes about the kingdom. I'm chosen, I'm anointed, I'm steady and ready in the hands of Jesus. I am a lethal weapon. That's what you are. You are a lethal weapon in the hands of Jesus. And you got to see yourself that way. And as you see yourself that way, it makes it easy to give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And so I'm going to encourage you today. Um, I want to encourage you that as we head toward Easter, I think it will be the most historic Easter that we've ever experienced as a church. We're ready. We've, we've got the two services. The cross will light tonight. I mean, that thing, boom. Amen. Been waiting forever. And that Jesus finally rode into town and got that thing finished. Okay, right before right before Easter, and, and so people know where your church is now. That's the coolest thing, man. Is people are, they're asking me about the church. <laughs> That's never happened since I've lived here in ten years. And and so as you're out there, man, you just know the Lord can use you to invite people and have them come. And and that's about you. That's not that's just as much about you as it is about them because the Lord's going to use that to stir you up and show you that, man, you are anointed. You're smeared with me and you're loaded with truth. And I can use you to bring about transformation and you'll just get fired up as the Lord continues to bring about um, like freedom in your life as he uses you to expose freedom to other people. So I want you just to kind of close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to turn the service over to Sean, and I, I want you to think about, man, burn that image into your mind that I'm a lethal weapon in the hands of Jesus. And, and he would use me with pinpoint accuracy to bring about transformation in the lives of others. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Palm Sunday. We thank you that you kept your eyes on the cross and you sacrificed for us because you saw all of this. You, you saw all of it, Lord, how it was going to be. You were going to transform people to becoming 
powerful vessels of yours that advance the kingdom. I thank you for this group of people today, Lord. I love them. I'm so grateful to have the honor of, of pastoring them, shepherding them. They mean the world to me. They're my family, Lord. And as I do every week, I pray over them today, Lord, that you will help them to grow. Help them grow. Help me grow so I can help them grow better. And help us reach our community. We love our community, Lord. We don't want to beat it up because they don't know the truth. We want to help them know the truth. And we can only do that, Lord, if you move in a special way. If your pneuma blows over us. It gives us the the incredible privilege of sharing the freedom that we know to the people around us. Let us see a revival, Lord, in our community. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.